Welcome to a special episode of the Movie Crew Podcast. This week, we are honoring the career of actor Christopher Lee. We'll be talking about one of his most iconic films, The Horror of Dracula. They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar! Welcome to the party, pal! Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Man's got to know his limitations. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's put a smile on that face. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It smells like... Victory. This sort of thing has cropped up before. And it has always been due to human error. So welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. This is Benson. Yo. Jeremy Benson, that is. I guess I always introduce you as Jeremy. I'm changing things up. Hey, look, man, we're on episode 12, okay? We can't do the same old thing. People We've get really tired. We've really done 12 of these? Yeah, dude. This is episode 12. In the beginning of this, before we go into Horror of Dracula, I just want to talk a little bit about Christopher Lee and what an awesome son of a bitch this guy was and what a life he had. Amazing dude. Fought in World War II. Uh, I was reading some great article, I think, on Variety that uh, was it had some great headline like Christopher Lee, Nazi killer, Nazi hunter, or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> and uh, it had some quote in there. They were like, "Well, what do you? What did you do in the British? I don't know, some kind of Air Force division that he was in?" And he's like, "Well, can you keep a secret? So can I." Ooh, he's being mysterious. God, you sounded just like Sean Connery. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess I need to work on my, uh, Christopher Lee. I guess he's Sir Christopher Lee now. Man, he had a good life. Died at 93. Got to be in Star Wars? Yeah, dude, he had a real big comeback. Oh, man. In the aughts there. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He was in The Hobbit. And with his passing, he's really the last horror icon that we kind of had in terms of, like... And an actual person. That's sort of the Vincent Price type. Exactly. Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi kind of thing. I think the closest thing we have left is Robert Englund, and that's just because he played Freddy. Oh, that is true. But you think about, like, the difference. He played Freddy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Well, he was in V, the TV series. Well, he was. Christopher Lee played... Man, just think of all the characters. Oh, my gosh. Think of all the... I think he did, like, 13... Hammer films. He was in some Sherlock Holmes movies. He was uh, a James Bond villain. He's the villain in The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. Second to Roger Moore Bond film. He plays Scaramanga, uh, an assassin with a third nipple. I'm not making that shit up. Third nipple and a, uh, a golden gun. Shoots golden bullets. He goes on to play the mysterious Count Dooku. That's true. Well, he he, he did do some movies in, in between. He kind of had a dark period in his career where he kind of stooped a little and did things like uh, The Howling 2. Your sister is a werewolf. I was going to talk about the highlights and not the sister werewolf. Well, bits, I mean, you but, know, he, he and, did he did have a little horror change there for a little bit. Uh, the 70s happened, yeah. and, and well, horror we got changed. We got away from that that gothic horror that, I you know, the 30s was, was the gothic horror story. The 50s turned into the the science fiction horror generation. And then with the Hammer films, you had that resurgent of all the gothic stories. 
And only he, bloodier. He had just made a name in that. And then when in the seventies, early eighties, when that kind of sh- when the horror sh- shifted to more realistic slasher, yeah, based stuff, you know, and he he didn't have a place there. But we got the Exorcist in uh, what was that seventy five? Okay, seventy three. Yeah. So the Exorcist came out in seventy three. So with the seventies, like I mean, the Exorcist really changed a lot. In terms of, like, horror films. Well, and you also think, like, Night of the Living Dead, 69, you know, Texas Chainsaw, 74. You had, you had the independent surge that was going on uh, that was a lot more gritty, realistic. You know, to see him get that comeback in, in not small films, but, you know, these huge, like, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings right there, I think that's just a tribute to not only his ability and his presence on the screen, but how much... Those filmmakers, you know, loved watching him when they were younger. I think it was an honor for them to have him be a part of their projects. I mean, Tim Burton used him quite a bit, and he did uh, cameos in uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Um, and one of the animated ones, I think Corpse Bride, he does a, he voices a character there. Tim Burton is a big Hammer fan, so... I mean, if you say... if you're, When you're, we're talking Hammer, uh, Hammer was a British... Um, movie studio that produced mainly horror films that's what they got famous for from uh the mid well i guess their first one was um curse of frankenstein and i believe that was actually when was that i think that was in 57 curse of frankenstein kind of their first horror film and they lasted into the 70s and they they kind of died out in the mid to late 70s but when you say hammer i mean the two that were there in the beginning the two that were almost there to the bittersweet end, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Oh, yeah. I mean, these were the guys. Anybody that, especially in this area, that grew up you know, going in at midnight on Channel 30 to watch Creature Feature, you, you grew up with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. And Peter Cushing's also in the first Star Wars. He's in A New Hope. I actually had the, the visual image of Christopher Lee as Dracula before Bella Lugosi. Because I had seen him as Dracula before Bella Lugosi. Oh, really? You saw him first? Yeah, so I'd, you know, all the drawings and references of Dracula and the cape and the... I thought it was referencing Christopher Lee until I got a little older and I saw the original and I was like, oh, this is not near as good. The original Dracula is kind of boring, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's really slowly paced. Yeah, I don't... It's a classic, and I'm sure at the time it was... It was innovative with the, you know, the sexual innuendos going on. And now, are there any though in the first Dracula? There's a little bit. There's it, it's 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 there. Um, and for a yeah, for I a guess. prudish culture that that isn't getting anything. No, that's true. That's that. Is, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I mean, I a, a very famous person once said, "If you don't get crackers for a long time, and then you're given a cracker." You're going to think it's the best damn cracker ever. So, yeah, you know, in the 30s, you don't get, you didn't get the innuendos, so they're there. Um, I, yeah, I've always liked Horror of Dracula better. Neither one of them are very faithful to the book, but. For, I've read uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but it has been a long, long time ago, like you know, 10 or 12, but you've recently read it, right? Yeah, I, I read it like three weeks ago, actually. Man, I, that's one of those books that. I tried reading as a kid and couldn't get into it, and I always kind of have that memory of, of of not liking it. But for some, every time I read it as an adult, I'm like, man, this is so awesome! 
So, Horror of Dracula, 1958, Hammer Film Production, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Michael Goff, Alfred from Batman. All right, directed by Terrence Fisher. Fisher. How does this compare? What are, what's different between this and the book? Oh, well, you know, basically you have Dracula. Uh, Van Helsing is in both both stories. Harker's in both. Harker is in both stories. Um the bride is in both stories. I think she's maybe called the sisters in the book. But there's um, more than one in the book, right? Yeah. Because there's only one in the film. There's like three. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Coppola's version, is probably as close to the book as been filmed, I think. Now, if memory serves correct, Bram Stoker's Dracula, that's written actually in like diaries or letters, right? Well, the novel is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm the Dracula the book. Yeah, the novel is <laughs> is letters or Doctor Seward's um, phonograph. He talks into that phonograph diary. Oh yeah, horror of Dracula. Uh, Harker shows up at Dracula's castle at the beginning of the book, and he's there to kill Dracula. In the novel, he's a lawyer assigned to this guy that's buying up a bunch of land in London, and they're really trying to figure out why he's buying up all this land. And in the movie, not only is he there to kill him, but he's he's not even there under the guise of be, like, being a be real a, estate yeah, guy. Yeah, he's, he's going to be the librarian. Yeah, the librarian. Like, who the fuck hires? Like, this dude doesn't even have a maid. You need a librarian? <laughs> I never even saw a library. Yeah, they so, didn't build you know, that set. That was too expensive. In, in the novel, uh, Harker's kept prisoner. Uh... Dracula moves to London. He has the gypsies load up all the dirt into the boat, and they he goes to London. Lucy starts getting sick, and Doctor Stewart calls in his old friend, Doctor Van Helsing. This, this is one thing I noticed right away. Like all the other versions, they got the characters all mixed up in Horror of Dracula. Oh yeah, all kinds of all over the place. Yeah, because Harker is going there, but he's actually in this film. He's with Lucy. Right, and he's friends with Van Helsing. And Mina and Arthur are together. Right. And they're already married, I think. Are they fiancé? Lucy and... Lucy and, and, and Harker and Harker engaged. were engaged. Yeah, in the movie. Okay, yeah. that's what... All right. Yeah, and in the novel, Lucy is courting three guys, and she finally decides to marry Lord Homewood, and Mina is engaged to Harker. And once Van Helsing figures out Lucy dies, Van Helsing figures out what's going on, Mina gets a letter from some nuns that uh, Harker has escaped from count, uh, the castle and is ill. So she goes and gets him. They get married. He gets involved with the hunt for Dracula because now Hart, uh, Van Helsing puts his story with what they have found out about Lucy and the Just- boofer lady. And there's a, there's some really cool scenes in the novel where they're going from place to place where Dracula has put earth from his homeland so he can have different resting places yeah dracula straight up tricks him the whole time he's been going in while they're going out at night hunting him dracula's coming in and sucking on loose on mina who has been put at the insane asylum for safe reasons and then dracula's been sneaking right in because they've got uh what's his name renfield uh, renfield who invited him in so Coppola's version is actually pretty faithful to the book. Yeah, it's it's probably about eighty percent faithful. He he adds a little bit of a love story from Dracula's past and Dracula's wife looking like Mina. For the most part, it's pretty faithful. Uh, you could you could probably watch that movie and 
and get a C on a book report. But Horror of Dracula, eh. not not so much. It's the skeletons there. Uh, yeah, you, the outline. I think I would say Horror of Dracula is more based upon more based on the 1931 Dracula than it is the novel. Which is weird, because Bram Stoker's from England. It is, but it's not... I mean, it doesn't really go after that. It kind of does its own thing, because there's no, there's no well, there's, Renfield character. There's also a play that was adapted from the novel. So, I'm not sure, like, how much of these two movies are being adapted from the play as as much from the novel. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they watched that Universal one, but I know they were extremely worried about being sued. Yeah, that, you were telling me something about the title. Yeah, well, the, that's why they had to call it Horror of Dracula. In the UK, it was just Dracula. That's right. how it was released. When it came here, you know, Universal, these Universal monster films, that was a big thing for them. That was a big industry. So it is. I think to avoid legal trouble, I was also reading something on IMDb where Dracula was actually still going around to some theaters and being booked at uh, some theaters at the time this film it was getting ready to be released, and they didn't want any kind of confusion, so they just renamed it. I don't know how true that is, though. It's, it's not on IMDb. It could be user-submitted. When you say Dracula, I do think of Christopher Lee. I mean, it is the it is Dracula. It's the one I think my parents grew up with when they were little kids. I think it was it was the one that it came out when they were young. Yeah, you get, I can remember. You get these films passed down, you know, passed to you from your folks. Well, I can remember um, like my dad being excited that you know, Horror of Dracula and, and any of the sequels. I can remember him being excited and, like, wanting to show me the movie. Uh, yeah, it was Granddad, like... I can remember sitting at his house watching uh, Dracula, Wolfman, and Frankenstein because he would record the all-night movies. The Universal ones? Yeah, Channel 3, a local CBS station here, used to do, on Saturday night, all-night movies. And it would just be 30s movies, which random... 30s movies he would record it on vhs and anytime it was a you know a 30s monster movie he would save it and when i came over on the weekend and the next weekend we would watch you know frankenstein the wolfman werewolf of london but my dad showed me the hammer films my my folks uh they showed me all these as well i think uh heart of dracula was not the first one i saw though uh, I I can't I don't think it was either. Dracula has risen from the grave. I think it's I think it's the third one. That was the one I saw. The one where he falls on the cross and he gets the cross stuck in his back. It's rated G. <laughs> That's a true with a it's definitely not a G film. That's for sure. These films were ex- Heart of Dracula and and Early Hammer, they were extremely important to the motion picture industry. These films really helped push censorship. Well, there was the Hayes Code in Hollywood, which is, I mean, you need to look this thing up. It is absolutely ridiculous, the things that used to used to never be allowed in, in motion pictures. I mean, holding hands. Is it necessary to the plot? Showing commodes. No, you, no, no, no we, don't, we don't mention defecation, all right? No pee and poo here. Unless it's absolutely necessary to the plot. Well, you had to keep a clean society. That's right. And this was before the creation of the MPA, which was uh, sometimes in the si- in the late 60s. But the, uh, hammer, the Hammer films definitely pushed the boundary of what 
there's a shot in Horror of Dracula right after Mina has been seduced by Dracula and he's fed on her. The look on her face is total, like, she's just had the best sex of her life. And turns out that's what the director told her. When I call action, the look I want on your face is like, you just had the best sex of your life. Um, (laughs) Terrence Fisher, you rule! You can tell that where, you know, like the 1931 Dracula, they knew it was there, but they they didn't want to push it too hard. These guys were going for it, but then disguising it in the evilness of the vampire feeding on... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Christopher Lee has definitely got some nose-nuzzling going on before he hits that neck. Oh, yeah. Dude, he is all like... And and how many many shots does Mina go into the door and the door shut as he's reaching out toward her waist? That, and, like, how many times did Dracula just appear in the doorway? Well, my favorite favorite shot in the entire movie... The music would swell up? ...is Jonathan Harker down in the... He's figured out where Dracula's uh, casket is. He goes in, he kills the bride, but he's taken too long. Night falls, he turns, Dracula's casket is now empty. He turns and he looks up the stairs to the doorway and Dracula steps into the frame. Now when you say night falls, it is literally like, he just staked this chick He and he looks over. And night falls. Yeah, we get a cut and it's like outside the window you see the sunset. It's like it's 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 like God just went, Oh shit, I forgot and then flipped the switch. It's hilarious because he leaves the basement but then he to comes then back. dramatically enter. Yeah, I'm not gonna kill you without an entrance. Cue the music, please. I do miss that gothic horror setup though. Yeah. I mean it had I, a style. I, I miss the I mean you can see remnants of it in Hell, even in Friday the 13th, you know, the... What? Oh, yeah, just remnants of it. The campers show up, and you have the crazy guy going, Oh, the place is cursed. He's the same thing as the villagers, as uh, Van Helsing shows up, and they're like, Oh, we're not going to talk about that place. Okay, I got you, I got you. These people live with this evil of this place. I don't know. It's, it's just always fun. What's this garlic? It's, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what garlic? This garlic right here. It's not here for decoration. Uh, why? Why are we doing like? Why are we doing like noir detectives? Yeah, see, I'm Detective Van Helsing. You have any vampires here? What yeah. is the garlic? What is the garlic for? I don't know. I can't do English voices. The Hammer films, the Gothic horror films from that time, is like. I mean, just how you know, they're not trying to make this complicated. Ben Helsing shows up at the restaurant that we're talking about, and then just so happens the daughter has Harker's journal, and she's like, "Ah, oh, I must give this to you, but don't let don't let my father know." And we're not going to find out how she got. It. We don't need to see her get it. She's just got it. it. That's all that's important. And she knew to save it oh, for for somebody to come. I thought around. it was implied that they were just boning on the side. Like he just got some, he got in town. And he's like, oh, I need it? to get myself some strange. So I thought he was just getting himself some dinner and then harassing the poor shop owner about his garlic. Fixation. I like my version way better than yours. That's all I'm saying. Rewriting this film. Have you seen all the Hammer Dracula movies? Yeah, I've seen all the I've seen all the Dracula ones. Yeah. Well, no, that's not true. I've seen all the Christopher Lee Dracula ones. I've seen Brides of Dracula. I haven't seen the Seven Golden Vampires or the Kung Fu one, the one that's after Satanic Rites of Dracula. <laughs> Does that one really count? Uh, yeah, it's well, Peter Cushing is in it. 
I was I I actually own the DVD. It's on a three pack with um, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, which is the second one that Lee's in. Uh, it's, I think it's the third one in the Dracula series. And I forget what the other one. You no, know, I think one of the Frankenstein. That's the it. first one I think I saw. What Dracula, Prince, Prince of Darkness, of, which is interesting. Prince of Darkness. Lee refused to speak any of the dialogue. Yeah, he did an interview, and he was just like, you know, he refused to speak the lines. Um, I think one of the writers came out and was like, yeah, no, I wasn't going to give him any lines anyway. But uh, I don't know how true I'll... He only, has, he only has 12 in... What is it, 12 or 13? It's 13 he has in Horror of Dracula. Horror of Dracula, yeah. He says all of his lines to Jonathan Harker. Yeah, he only speaks to Jonathan Harker. <laughs> and he hisses at everybody else or yeah. snarls or whatever he does. Well, I guess, like, uh, getting into Horror of Dracula... This was the second horror film for Hammer. Curse of Frankenstein came first, which had Christopher, Christopher Lee played the monster in that, just like in this film. And Peter Cushing was uh, Frankenstein. And Peter Cushing's Frankenstein was kind of an asshole. So when Horror of Dracula came out, big return. We have the same director, Terrence Fisher, coming back. Same, same stars. Everybody's coming back into play. We're doing Dracula this time. It's almost like what Hammer was doing. It's like, okay, we've got these actors... This director, let's let's put out the let's put out properties. Yeah, I mean, well, they went through and they did. I think they did the the mummy with the same yeah. the same people. It was it was yeah, it was all the thirties. And then they, I think they used different people. They had like Phantom of the Opera, and they, they did, did the Curse Werewolf. of the Werewolf. Yeah, exactly. They even did a zombie film. I haven't seen it uh, called Plague of Zombies. I have not. I have not seen that. Yeah, I tried to watch that before this podcast just to say I've seen it. So like, I, cool. while we're talking about Hammer, the history of Hammer, pretty much gave us Christopher Lee. Oh yeah, this made um, Christopher Lee a star. When you went to see Let Me In and the Hammer logo comes up at the beginning, did you not get a little excited like, oh, Hammer's back? Hammer's back, but not only is Hammer back, they're back with a fucking vampire movie, dude. A good one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how you make a comeback. They're still doing some movies. Um, I don't think anything as high profile as that. I, right. you know, I really haven't been following any years. After that, they did. I, I they did the another one. one. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. And they kind of they did they did kind of die out there in the seventies. I know they they tried to they tried to update Dracula. Dracula, AD nineteen seventy two. That's right. Dracula was in the seventies. Disco bell bottoms and everything. There's one of the things I've always kind of like enjoyed about Christopher Lee's Dracula was if you watch him, he's got a little bit of a swagger to him. Oh yeah, he, you know he's a tall guy anyway. He's like a um, sexual fucking tyrannosaurus. And even when he's like walking with his cape and you know supposed to be very stoic, he's got a little bit of a swagger. He's got yeah. a little bit of a I'm a cool dude. It's classy, dude. He's just a classy motherfucker. And I, I have to admit, um, watching Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Nonsense, when I saw him in the cape, I couldn't help but think, hey, it's aged Dracula. That was by far the best part of that movie, was Christopher Lee. You're talking about the uh, Yoda lightsaber battle. Is that what you're talking about? That and the other part where he comes in and he interrogates Obi-Wan, and he just basically tells Obi-Wan exactly what's going on. And slyly offers him to be his new apprentice. That was one of the few moments in, in that movie where I was like, okay, they did something a little smart there. The Sith just offered Obi-Wan an opportunity to be his partner, 
they could overtake the other Sith. Dude, that would have been like the greatest fan film ever to watch Christopher Lee and Ewan McGregor go around and just fucking murder people with lightsabers. Like, just fucking just force choking Jawas. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Jawas. I'm. It would make me laugh to see Jawas cause pain. I, why, I don't know why that is. Being why am I. Force tossed against that big truck thing, <laughs> they, tank thing they drive. Jawas and Ewoks, they just have it coming. So what's your, of all the Christopher Lee Hammer films, which is the one that you, not I'm not saying which one do you think is the best, but which one is your favorite? Favorite of of his? Uh, it's, yeah, man, it's probably Harv Dracula, dude. I don't think that's my favorite Hammer film. I think actually my favorite Hammer film is actually Brides of Dracula, which is the sequel that doesn't have Christopher Lee, but does have Peter Cushing. The Brides of Dracula was a man. Yeah, the bride. Yeah, he's a baron. He's a he's a young, late twenties, good looking blonde kid, and he's like a. I think they use the term like a Dracula disciple or something, some shit like a disciple of Dracula is what Van Helsing calls him in the movie. Uh, this predates Interview with the Vampire, which was kind of like you know the vampires and their sexuality. It's kind of like vampires are kind of like bisexual creatures, not really gay or straight, just you know. I guess whatever, it's all food anyway, right? So this is all way ahead of the uh, gay marriage discussion. Well, you know, I think that's what's great about horror, right? Like, so many good horror films. Like, you look at the uh, the zombie films that Romero did. Like, you know, in the, the 80s, you're talking about 80s, all the political messages in the, in the films. Okay, maybe not your Friday the 13th, but like the stuff that John Carpenter was making, Wes Craven are making, some of these earlier guys, like, have some things to say in their horror film that contains a lot of blood and gore. People go into a horror film expecting dumb entertainment, and so you can hide messages, political ideas, societal ideas inside of a gory, action-filled story, and some people are going to get it and some aren't. I'm not really saying, like, Brides of Dracula's got some big message, but it's kind of cool that that's something they put in there that's 1960. We're talking about the same year that Psycho came out, and Psycho is kind of credited as the first movie to show a commode being flushed. Like, and it also pushes the ground of the shower scene. Well, it's another thing. You look at Heart of Dracula came out two years before Psycho. Psycho, you're seeing it's black and white. You never see the knife ever enter the veins ever. Heart of Dracula is kind of it's. This was shot in color, which was a big fucking deal in 1958 for a low-budget horror film. And, I mean, I love the the effect of Dracula crumbling in the sunlight. Oh, yeah, at the end of the movie? Yeah. Let's take a break, play the trailer for Horror of Dracula, and we'll get back. We'll uh, take a little deeper look into the film. Please try and understand. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenberg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, 
the bedeviled master of all that is evil. Boy, trailers have changed since then. You don't uh, you don't like the text that takes up half the half like all of the, sc- the screen. And I mean like, that's salesmanship right there, buddy. Uh, he is evil. He is amazing. You're gonna love it. Heart of Dracula. When this film starts, you get that really awesome stone. I guess it's an eagle. I don't. No, it's not an eagle. I I don't know what kind of bird it's supposed to be, but it's a stone bird sitting at that castle, and they do that cool panning shot that goes eventually over to. The place, the dungeon that Dracula's resting at. There's a little camera bobble. <laughs> it, there is a little little camera catch up. This film was a little low budget, I, even for when it was made. It was a little horror films. It was, it was eighty thousand pounds. You look at you know Chainsaw for a hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars, uh, whatever it equates to in pounds versus dollars at that time. You're shooting in like a shack with some kids and a van. These guys had a set. They had sets. Yeah, they did have they did have multiple sets. It's a period piece. They had some actors that actually had done at least more than one movie. Yeah, they they spread their money well. <laughs> yes, they did. If the outside stuff was shot on a set, no, you can tell the out the outside stuff is mostly day for night. Um, and day for night is a technique when you're low budget. The reason you do it is because when you shoot night, you need a lot of light, a lot. And like the more lights you, you have, you, you have enough light. You need to get more light. And you also have to get power to said lights. So when you're shooting someplace out, like when they're shooting Dracula and you have these stagecoats in the woods, there's no power supply. But those woods look so just cool. So the whole day for night idea is that you put a, you shoot the stuff during the day, and you just put a, a filter on your camera lens to darken it and give it kind of a blue tint. And like you know, like, hey, people, look, it's night. You don't. I mean, the big thing you have to watch out for is mostly like really harsh shadows. You want right. to stay away from that. For years, no one ever even complained about it. It was just what night looked like in the movies. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like for low, yeah, especially low budget films. I mean, um, in the seventies, you know, you got a little bit better. Um, especially if you look at something like The Exorcist. Um, and, I mean, I've seen Day for Night stuff. That's amazing. Recently that is pretty fucking convincing. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that Mad Max stuff I mean, um, on the Night Dunes, that's, I think that was Day for Night from what I was reading. So, I mean, Day for Night is still Mad a technique. in the sky. Yeah it's, still, yeah. it's still a thing that's done to this day. Although, you know, as cheesy as the Day for Night looked in this movie, it's comforting. What do you mean it's comforting? Because it it fits that feel that it's a very stagey movie. It's not a realistic movie. You it's know, very theatrical. It, it's very thea- yeah. It's very theatrical. So when you're you're having your night scenes, you can still see everything. You can still experience the movie, and you still you know it's night. I mean, you have a moment in the movie where the sun sets like. So is that like the equivalent of what they do in like, you know, like modern films when they have the exterior shot and we see the skyline and the sun goes in the background and we know it's sped up? Was that the equivalent of that? And that's just like, because this isn't the only movie I've seen that in. I've seen that used a lot. You know, like Jonathan Harker, who is there to kill Dracula, has just killed the bride. And then he leans over and he has to kind of cry and catch his breath for a second. So if it is a time-lapse effect, 
he's there for quite a while, just kind of collecting himself before he does the job he came to do. Dude was very emotional, stabbing that woman in the stomach. Uh, with that... Yeah, back in the 50s, you didn't put a stake in the heart. You put a stake in the stomach. Yeah, did they not... Did they not know where the heart was in the 50s? Well, I mean, they had... They you had couldn't little... point out that you have to put the stake in between the cleavage. Fill people in a little bit on what's been happening up in, up until this point. So the film starts, and Jonathan Harker's character is going in with the intention... He says he's going to be there to be the librarian, but you know there's something else going on. There's some other mysterious purpose that the man has. So he goes in... Uh, I think Dracula has like a note for him, tells him to go upstairs. He goes upstairs, whatever. He meets Dracula, but he also meets a woman there that is asking him for help. And of course, she ends up being a vampire. She's like one of the brides of Dracula. She's a vampire, so of course she tries to bite him. Christopher Lee busts in, in the room, all crazy mad. Um, He's got his red eyes, um, those contacts. I was actually reading somewhere where the contacts, he couldn't actually see out of the contacts at all. Uh, he, kept, he kept walking past people and missing his mark. Dracula comes into the room. Harker passes out. Dracula takes his bride, the chick that may or may not have bitten him. We don't get to see it 100% clearly, and he does have some blood on his neck. Later, we, we, we find out that he's been bitten. Well, yeah, okay, so Dracula takes her back, but then he passes out, and he wakes up, and he's in the bed room. Like, so Dracula has moved him there. He's got huge marks in his neck. So was that a makeup inconsistency? Or did Dracula feed on him or was after it, he passed out? Yeah, or was it just the chick that bit him? Because it looks like the chick misses. I always thought that in this scene, that was just Dracula just took him up there and he's like, well, you know. He, I'll have a little while he's asleep. Yeah, a little snack, you know. Everybody likes a little snack before they go to bed. Come on. I don't know. It was, that's, it, that's probably what is implied. Okay, so this is probably the biggest fucking thing of all time that they change between the book and the movie is that he gets bitten and we talked about how Harker kills the bride. Dracula comes in. We cut. We go to Van Helsing. We see Van Helsing show up. Van Helsing gets to the castle and he sees Harker's a vampire. Cushing kills him. Yeah. But yeah, as Peter Cushing's actually walking to the castle, there's the casket that is leaving that has Dracula in it. He sees a picture of Lucy in uh, Harker's room. Right. And he's like, yeah. I want that. You killed um, my bride. I'm going to go get yours. So we're in England now. Or London, I should say. They don't ever mention Transylvania, do they? They may have mentioned it in that bar when uh, Peter Cushing's character, Van Helsing, goes into the bar. Because I remember mentioning, I don't remember exactly, but like Slavic or... They don't. I don't think they ever say Transylvania. You know, that could have been one of the universal stipulations that they couldn't have said Transylvania. Really? Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, could Universal was very up their ass about this shit. Felt very sorry for Hammer reading some of this stuff. Like, just doing research for this, I was like, ah, oh, man, that, dude, that sounds like that be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, Peter Cushing's character, Peter Cushing, I'm just calling fucking Van Helsing. Van Helsing actually informs us that Dracula... Does not turn into a bat. No. Does, Wolf, mist, n- none of that shit. None she, of the low creatures. They got all. They got rid of all that stuff. Now, they do mention, of course, stakes and sunlight. And crucifixes. They're, try- they're trying to figure out how he's getting into Lucy's bedroom, and then or Mina's bedroom by this point. 
And you come to find out his casket is hidden in the basement. He ends up killing Lucy. Yeah. Turns her into a vampire. And she gets staked with Van Helsing and Arthur. Alfred and General talk, and they get together, and they kill this chick in this <laughs> and, and, uh, robot chicken episode. For this one, the one maid, Lucy Normina would have had any problems. Yeah, she fucks up because Peter over Cushing and over and over. Peter Cushing gets involved, and he mentions the garlic should be placed in the right. room. He puts it in the room. Yeah, and he makes he's very specific. Like you Don't. cannot, no matter how much she begs, you can't take this out of here. And what does the maid do? Yeah, she takes it out of there. Fire that bitch. Dude, you're out. You're gone. And then later, she makes the confession of, I know they told me to never go into the basement, but the devil, I saw him when I went down there. And they're, Whoa, you you let him in the basement. That is a really cool uh, reveal when you you find out that the coffin is down there. Because there's, there's like this whole uh, subplot while they're in... In England, that they're looking for the, they're trying to find the coffin of Dracula. Right, and they're he has to, to, he has to be sleep in home soil. Yeah, he's got yeah the soil of his native land or whatever the fuck the line is. So the idea is that they're going around and if they can destroy Dracula during the day and find his coffin, then they're good to There's go. No problem. Yeah, I do like this section of the movie because we get some really interesting. Like Terrence Fisher litters this movie with really bizarre. Like crazy old men, <laughs> he's you know he's just like oh, yeah let's just put a crazy old white guy in here like yeah it's why that, not what's that scarier works. than a crazy old white guy but like so they know that the the coffin left at a certain date Peter Cushing Van Helsing saw it leave the castle right so he figures that's Dracula so they go to this guy and they bribe him and he's some crazy old dude you've got to have permission from the ministry in writing but I have my orders and I must obey them. It is laid down in the government regulations that under no circumstances, under no circumstances, may an unauthorized person be permitted to examine. Of course, in the case of an emergency, we do sometimes make an exception. And seeing this gentleman is a doctor. (coughs) (coughs) When did you say it was, sir? December the 1st. December the 1st. I guess my favorite little side character is actually not an old man. Helmina gets introduced kind of to Dracula. It's that Arthur's out dealing with trying to find, bribing this old man, trying to find where this coffin went. This little guy, this messenger, opens up. Oh, that, that guy's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Well, I don't know. He just gave me money. That's all he did. Good boy. Like, that's how this guy talks. But his his hilarious line is basically Dracula has paid him to go knock on her door and give her this false message. And yeah. she says, it can't be from my author. He's off on a mission. And he says, well, it must be because I saw it and he did it and he gave me the message and I'm telling you. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, he does it the British way. Good day. He says it in a way that, like, for a second, you're like, okay, well, he must be telling the truth. Yes? You, Mrs. Homewood? I am. Got a message for you. You're to go to 49 Friedrichstrasse right away, he says. And you're not to tell anyone. Who says? Arthur Homewood, he calls himself. Said you'd know him. That's impossible. My husband's gone to Inkstadt. Not if he gave me this message, he hasn't. And he gave me this message. Good night. It's so random and out of left. It definitely sticks out in the movie when you're watching it. You're just oh, like, oh, it's, it's hilarious. Who's this guy? 
Like, did they dub that dude? Or did that guy just get kicked in the nuts that day on set? Like, what happened? He was just a young guy. He's, he's going through that difficult time, you know? He hadn't gotten to the basie yet. The <laughs> Puberty's rougher for some of us than others. I understand. You know, it's one of those things. What are you going to do? You know, we end up where this messenger sends Mina. Right. Uh, they track the coffin down to there. They show up, and this, this is this old guy. He starts telling them some crazy-ass fucking story about some dude that fell down the stairwell... And the stairwell's literally like four fucking steps, maybe two, like maybe two, it may be two steps. Perhaps you better let me lead the way. I know these steps; they can be dangerous. <laughs> we don't want to have an accident, do we? <laughs> no, we we don't. <laughs> you know, an old man came here once to see his dead departed, and he fell down these stairs. <laughs> it was quite amusing. He he came to pay his last respects, and he remained to share them. <laughs> oh, quite amusing. Yeah. <laughs> it was really that. Well, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Yeah, well, it's around the back somewhere. And even Peter Cushing and them were getting, like, really pissed with him. Just like, all right, where is it? Of course, it's gone. We figure out that Mina's been bitten. She's under Dracula's spell. And we find out that the coffin, uh, Mina's taken the coffin. She's put it in the basement. And that is a really good fucking reveal because this is really the moment when the movie kicks into high gear and gets really fucking exciting. Peter Cushing, he goes down there. He sees the coffin. The coffin's empty. He hasn't been the most efficient vampire hunter at this point. I love I love Peter Cushion, but Van Helsing is a really shitty vampire hunter in Horror of Dracula. Yeah, he, he he's got some things to learn. Yeah, he does. He does right at the end here though. Yeah. Cuz he's like he, gets he steps in high it up here and he's like, "Okay, the coffin's here. He's not in it. We we got we got to do this now." Of course, he he opens the coffin, there's no Dracula there. So what does Dracula have to do? He's got to pop in the room just to at least say hello and stand in the doorway. But Cushing was smart. What did he do to the coffin? Threw that cross in he it. Puts a cross down so Dracula can't go to sleep. Love that scene, dude. I thought that was so bitching. It's something that's so small, but it's so it was just so awesome. You're like, oh, dude, you're fucked. You're fucked, Dracula. What are you going to do? Van Helsing's got your number. No, he goes in there and he, he, uh, he goes upstairs, steals Mina. Van Helsing's locked up in the basement. Bounding, uh, like, just banging on the door. Meanwhile, Dracula, he gets in a coach, he runs off. Then it's pretty much, because he's got to be in his native soil, it's just pretty much, and I'm not 100% sure how he got back there in one night, because England, you have to cross water. How did that, I don't, I'm not 100% sure how this happens at the end. I've always wondered this. I even thought of this when when I was 12 and I was watching this, I remember thinking, like, how do they go from England to Transylvania in like a night? I don't think it's Transylvania in this movie. What is it? What is it? Down the fucking road? Because that's how, <laughs> that's how they make it look. It's, it's some place like Slavic or something. I don't know. That sounds like Europe. I mean, still like what? I think they just kind of like made up a place. This is before the Channel existed. So. It, it's it's like it's like a suburb of London. You think it's a suburb of London? That's the only thing that explains... Because when he walks into that uh, bar, I mean, like, it seems like it's, like, somewhere really, like, far away and crazy. Yeah, but... I don't I know. I don't think they cared. Like, the first ten times I watched this film, I never even thought of that. You know, it's not until I watched it, like, it's just a, it is a nice-paced scene, and there's a real good comedy moment 
where that guy that they were bribing at the checkpoint to find where Dracula's uh, coffin is. He's got a, he's got this little teeny like you know wooden blockade with this little wooden barrier that comes down, you know, to block the road. So you can pay your toll, and he can let you pass. Well, Dracula comes running through and breaks it. It's in the middle of this chase scene. And then this dude, like, he's obviously spent this time, and he's, like, repaired this thing with, like, I don't know, some <laughs> kind love. of wool or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then here comes, like, Van Helsing and company, and they just, like, rush through it. And it's it's a, it's, a, it's 50 humor, but it still makes me laugh. I, 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 have, a, I have a really good time with that. I really love that uh, station guy. Chasing, you always got to have some some destruction humor. That's something that we do today, and here it is: is present in fifty eight. You know, it's it's nice to see. Like we still see that in like Michael Bay action films where somebody blows something up, and they're like, "Oh hell no!" You're in the middle of the chase scene, and then you cut to the little old lady that's, uh, yeah, this is the car I bought yesterday, and then it blows up when the transformers come through. Uh, of course, it ends up in the castle. And the whole reason that they're chasing him down, because um, they know where he's going. Right. Arthur. Yeah, and in my- the book, this is like days worth of um, trying to intercept this boat. The boat keeps outsmarting them. And then it gets to the you know the final chase up to the castle as the sun is setting. It was a two-minute scene in the movie. Right. Oh, well, in this movie. The Arthur character, Michael Goth, is like, oh, why don't we just uh, take your time and we'll get there in the morning. And then Ben Elson's like, well, we can't do that because he knows that castle and he's got so many hiding places. We'll never find him. All right. Well, whatever. That's good enough reason. Let's just keep, right, let's, let's let's just keep, keep charging going. forward. <laughs> let's keep going. But, dude, we we finally get to the climax. He's Christopher Lee, Dracula, is sitting there and he's burying Mina. And they show up, and he's like, oh, Why? shit. Why? I have no idea. I don't know. I guess she's got to be, like, in her native soil for the first time. Because she's not 100% a vampire yet. Uh, we've totally glossed over this. Van Helsing believes if they kill Dracula, that the curse will then be lifted. they can save her. Exactly. They're, they're doing this chase. Christopher Lee's gone inside the castle. Peter Cushing runs in. He sees Christopher Lee, and he's got the trap door open. He's getting ready to go down there, and then we have the epic showdown. And then, dude, fucking Peter Cushion brings that shit. Big battle. He even plays possum. And then Christopher Lee's like, I got you. He's got this, uh, Christopher Lee's got this great smile where he's like, Oh, I've defeated you. He's just like, I'm just going to eat you, Van Helsing, before I take a nap. Van Helsing, like, wakes up and, like, hits him in the balls or something. <laughs> I don't know what he does, but he somehow he bats a vampire off of him. Oh, he totally WWEs it. Oh, yeah, he does the playing possum. Waits till he gets the upper hand. See, this is where this this, this is where you come in for the wrestling. I don't I don't watch wrestling, so you know you're more uh, you're more with that vocabulary there. If that's like wrestling, what about this that crazy uh, dive, that jump and dive for the curtains that uh, Peter Cushing does to, uh, to oh, get the sunlight in? Yeah, he, go, he runs in. Is that is that all? Is that all wrestling too? Yeah, you got a ladder match. You got to jump up and get the belt from the hook. Where you um you hang the championship from a a ring, twenty feet above the ring, and to win it you got to get a ladder, climb up, and unhook the belt. And they are extremely violent matches. Right. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, if you watched a, uh, a a ladder match, you would spend most of it going, "Holy shit, these guys are nuts!" Worst one ever. I ever saw they had this um, 
don't remember who the guy was. Oh shit, he's getting he's getting oh, no, serious. He's adjusting the mic well, here, guys. Well, I've got to I've got to show you what happened because I can't explain it, uh, and that sucks for you people at home. But look it up. It was I think it's John Morrison. They had the ladder on the ropes, like tilted on the ropes. John Morrison is kind of leaning on this side of the ladder, and a guy jumps and hits the other side of the ladder, which makes it teeter tot up. And catches him right there, and breaks his nose badly. And this was this was actually televised. Yeah, he finished the match. Uh, was he bleeding the entire time? Oh, yeah. have, oh man, that's, that sounds gross. It was yeah. They, the the latter matches are pretty pretty violent. Total disclaimer: I like horror movies, but movies are fake. I do not do real blood well. These guys put their bodies in quite harm's way to pull off ladder matches. <laughs> Ugh. Fake blood's fun. You know, it's like, it's like, it's pretend it's fun, it's good. Uh, real blood, uh, I'm kind of squeamish. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a pansy, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to real stuff. Movies are fun, though. Well, speaking of unreal stuff, when he gets the curtains, he rips the curtains down, Dracula hits the floor, sunlight's in his face, and we get the awesome... That was the first time I'd ever seen a vampire melt. This was actually done really good, and I was I was really trying to figure out uh, how they did that, like um, the melting skin, how his skin was peeling, like at the very first stage when oh, the sun yeah, hits it him. Looks really good. I don't know how they did that. I was trying to research and figure out how they did that. I think that's just a trade secret that's lost, or like everybody in Hollywood knows, but nobody else does. I'd have to look at the shot again. It was really is cool. Is he moving during that shot? Uh, you know, I think his hand's moving. I don't think he's moving. Because if his face is still, then it could be a uh, cast of his face, and they're literally melting the wax. Uh, no, it's probably him. Because the dummy, you can tell when they go to that. Oh. I love, I love this. I love it when he gets uh, turned to dust by the sunlight. I think it's great. He starts have- crumbling. Do you have a problem? There's that one shot. Where, I know the one you're talking about. Where Dracula's hands like in front of him, and the Muppet hand is a it's a total like the Muppet Show fucking Muppet hand is in front of his face, and he's like a he's he looks like a gray Muppet with gray hair. Yeah, it looks a little ridiculous, but he's got the, he's still got those two little white fangs that are hanging out there, and he's like ah. Yeah, the middle stage is a little cheesy, but just. Pretend that part doesn't happen. I mean, we were talking earlier about, you know, like the Hays Code and some things it did in terms of uh, censorship. Um, I don't think the film is really credited with that, but I would say it's one of those, it's one of the films that you can credit taking an important step towards. Um, And I I think the same thing for... Foreign films are credited for partly bringing down the Hays Code. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, foreign films are, yeah. And a lot of, uh, there's some directors that are credited with that as well. And, um, you know, Hammer was based in England. Yeah, I mean, that, this that is That does make it a, hor- foreign. a foreign film. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So, what do, you, what do you think? Final thoughts on Horror of Dracula? This thing is a spectacular film. It's a really good, it's a really good vampire film. Uh, I think it's my favorite Dracula film, though. Um, the only really? One, I really enjoy uh, Coppola's. I uh, I really like uh, the one from the seventies that uh, John uh, John Badham did. I really really like that. I mean, Christopher Lee really was Dracula for me for a long time. I mean, they played these on TBS back in the day, and 
you get some Christopher Lee, you get some Peter Cushing, like there's, you know, Brides of Dracula and that Kung Fu vampire film that we were talking about. And that's uh, Peter Cushing just in those and no Christopher Lee, but Christopher Lee was in all the rest and it's the only Dracula series that we have. I mean, I know Bela Lugosi did some other uh, movies. He didn't just do the one Dracula film. He was in others, but... When you say Dracula, I think of Christopher Lee, his bloodshot eyes, and his fangs. That and his, those sensual looks he would give. I See, I used to, um, up until Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, Coppola's film. That solidified, like, that was so close to the book, and it, it just solidified the look of Dracula to me. I really like that film. No, no this is my favorite, my favorite Dracula. This is one I've seen. I've seen this more than Bram Stoker's. Oh, but Gary Oldman is really good. Uh, he is in the beginning and the end. Uh, the England part, he's a little hit or miss for me in that. I'll be honest with you, man. When he's telling Mina, he takes it and he cuts himself open. Oh, you're talking about the candlelight scene? I can't. I can't make you. Yeah, is, is, is that the candlelight scene? Yeah, where they're fucking in the bed. Yeah, I don't... See, I'm not... But we I'm, both agree that Christopher Lee as Dracula was, to us... What Bella Lugosi was to most of the world, he was our first mental image of the Count. And I can remember plenty of times as a kid drawing the moment where he was in the casket and he wakes up, shows his teeth, and opens his eyes. Alright, if you're on the internet, you should totally look up the British Quad, or just the original Horror of Dracula poster. It's so awesome. It's just him looking down at a chick, and he's just evil and seductive all at the same time. I mean, when you watch this film... I totally understand how Christopher Lee became the horror icon that he ended up becoming. Really, this one role kind of solidified him as a as a Vincent Price, as a Morlis Karloff. People could not dissociate Christopher Lee from this. He became the face of Hammer Horror. Uh, him and Peter Kushner are both really great. And I do want to tackle at one point uh, in time, he did another film that... Uh, we were actually debating on whether we would do or not called The Wicker Man. He was in the original of that. Um, I, I think we're going to do an episode on that at some point in time. Don't quote me on that. Maybe maybe in two or three years, if we're still around, we'll do The Wicker Man. Because that's got Re- a great twist ending. Remake versus original. So, hey, uh, Vincent, should we play a track from Heart of Dracula soundtrack, or should we do Christopher Lee singing Christmas songs to heavy metal? Lee singing metal Christmas. Something tells me he knew he would be remembered as Dracula, but he'd probably like to be remembered for his music. Okay, so that wraps it up for us here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you guys enjoyed our Christopher Lee tribute and taking a look back at Horror of Dracula. As always, if you guys want to get in contact with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. And as always, if you guys could leave us a rating or a review on iTunes and Stitcher, that helps people find out about the show. We'd really appreciate that. So we're closing out the show tonight with a song from Christopher Lee's A heavy metal Christmas. This is the Little Drummer Boy. Enjoy. Oh,
Come, come, come.